Lined into left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch. Oh, into right field. Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field struck well. Marisnik going back at the wall. Gone! Welcome back, Brian O'Grady. And welcome inside episode 89 of Breaking Bats, presented by Not For Long Media. My name is Justin Ayers. Uh, we have a fantastic Baltimore Orioles episode coming right up for you, featuring two-time recurring guest, friend of the podcast, former Baltimore Orioles pitcher Steve Johnson. Steve joins me. We're talking. We, we recorded this on Monday. I'm taping this intro on Tuesday before the Orioles game. So on Wednesday when you're listening to this, just know... We really want the Orioles to win, but we don't know the outcome. So we asked Steve a lot of fun stuff, talking about the Orioles after their Game 2 loss at home. Um, Before we get to Steve, though, we have two new apparel sponsors to shout out. First is Few Will Hunt. It's one of my favorite brands out there. It's a great American company based in Philadelphia, PA. Their motto is they're out to restore the dignity of hard work. By far one of my favorite shirts to work work out in. Check them out, fewwillhunt.com. And last but not least, Shoreboy Clothing Company. We are in the middle of fall. It is cold outside if you're walking outside in the mornings. But Shoreboy Clothing Company is out to capture the essence of a Jersey Shore summer all year round. Nothing better than that. Keep the good vibes flowing. Check them out, shoreboy.co. All right, without further ado, here is Steve Johnson. All right, I am now joined by a two-time recurring guest, friend of the show, it is former Orioles pitcher Steve Johnson. Steve, the last time I had you on, I just checked. It was like the middle of April. Uh, a lot's happened since then. Uh, it's great to see you. How are you? Uh, well. And there's so much to talk about. Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Oh, my gosh. Like, I look back, and I think the first time I was like, hey, Grayson's made a couple starts in the bigs. Like, you know, let's talk about what's happened. And since then, he was just the game two starter. Uh, I wish we had, like, more positive news to talk about, Steve. Like, I wish I had you on in, like, better circumstances, but yeah. you're here. Orioles are down 2 nothing. You know, what are your overall thoughts of how they've played uh, the last two games? I just it, – it's it's frustrating in a way for them. I understand it's – it's you know, have that layoff. Um, you have game one. It was a good game. I was there. Um, crowd was into it. Um, you know, got out of a couple jams, kept it close. Hitters had a couple of chances to, to make something happen, just didn't work out. Um, you know, and obviously game two just got away from early. Um, and uh, the hitting came later, but it's just one of those things where they just haven't played a full game, you know, where, where everything is on, you know, both, both sides are, are doing, are doing well, the pitching and the hitting. And, um, you know, there's, there's still, there's still a chance, you know, they, they can put it all together. Um, Obviously, they've kind of spent this season trying to, uh, you know, limit the long losing streaks, which they've done pretty well. So, you know, it's, they keep it up. They have a chance. So, but, yeah, it's, it's definitely a frustrating two games for them. Um, they obviously wanted to at least get one. So, wait, you were in the building for game one? Yeah. Yeah. What What was the atmosphere? What were the vibes like? It was, it was great. I mean, I think everyone was on their feet the last three innings for sure. Um, every – Every two outs, they they got up on their feet. Um, it was just a really good atmosphere. It was it was really fun. Everyone was in it the whole way through, um, and it's just playoff baseball. You just can't beat it. 
it was, it was, it's the, the city's obviously waited a little bit um, since last time they, they got a chance at uh, kind of hosting a game. So um, they, they came in, it was, it was loud. Uh, it, it was really fun to be there, but yeah, it, it, every big situation, the last three innings, I mean, the game was really close. So um, everyone was in it on their feet and um, it was pretty loud. It was, it was pretty, even in a loss, it was, it was fun. It was interesting because like, I haven't been to either of the games this year, but like I went to a lot in 14 and it's just like the announcers were talking about before game two, they're like, the crowd just feels kind of like somber and like on edge. Um, and I guess they should be. Cause like, you know, Bradish pitched really well in game one. And then Grayson obviously goes out and we'll talk about his outing here in a second. But um, as it sits right now, like I keep reading all the articles about like, Hey, you know, down to nothing, still a lot of baseball left. Is that, is that kind of the mindset we should have here is the Orioles going to a game three on Tuesday? Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's one of those things they're, they're, they're in it still. I mean, it's, it's not, it, the odds are, aren't great. I mean, you got to win three straight, but um, you know, they just have to do what they've done all year and kind of um, find a way to, to, to make something happen. I mean, I, I'm sure with the pitching staff, it's all hands on deck. If anyone gets, um, you know, in, in a little bit of trouble early, I mean, I'm sure they're just putting, the hot hand in, uh, you know, they got an off day today and they go, they go back out. So it, you know, they should probably have a starter in the, in the pen and just, you know, give it their best. They've done it all year. That's, that's my thing is that the people are sometimes saying about shouldn't have put this guy in, shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have taken this guy out. And, you know, I've, I've been saying that all year about certain situations and they won 101 games. So, um, you know, you can say that when it doesn't work out and obviously you have every right to do that, but, there's a lot of things that's happened that they've, they've just gotten it done at some point and they've limited it, the damage in a way to where they can go right back out there and, and catch a hot streak. And, and you get, they're able to, to get two wins at their place, which obviously is tough. Uh, and you bring it back home for game five. It's the fans were already in it. Um, so game five at home would be an amazing atmosphere to, to be able to experience. And that, that would put, you know, Texas kind of, on on edge, um, kind of put it put, on, put it put it back in their court in a way that, that they could blow this thing. So they just need to find a way to get it done. That's all. That's all. That's all they need to do. It's easy, I mean, right? Yeah. I mean, th- this team is very capable of putting together three straight wins. Uh, I wanted to talk about Grayson though, because like I said, we we had you on in April. We talked all about Grayson. I'm, I'm fascinated watching this guy this year. Um, that outing though, game two, one and two thirds. Some of the same problems that we talked about way back when kind of reared their ugly head again in this start. It was like the inability to get batters out with two strikes, getting into a lot of three and two counts. I looked and I didn't know this going into the series, but Texas is apparently the most patient team in all of baseball. Like these guys, especially like Evan Carter too, like these guys don't swing at pitches out of the zone. When, when you have a team like that, that is like the most patient, like how frustrating is it trying to pitch to a lineup like that when they're making you work? Uh, and four walks for Grayson and 11 on the day. Yeah, against a team that's that you know is going to uh, kind of wait you out a little bit. The the one thing that you need to really try and do is come out early and prove that you're going to throw strikes in the zone. Um, once you do that early on, they're they're probably going to say, okay, this guy's not throwing balls today, um, and they're more likely to start to kind of swing early. And then you know, I had a lot of trouble with that in in my career, where you know, I'd have days where I just I didn't really have it, and. Um, my goal was that I was, I always called myself effectively wild. Like I was always around the zone, um, but not, you know, so I, I was, I used that to my advantage in a way, but I, my goal early was to just show them 
that I was going to be in the zone early so that they'd be more likely to swing earlier or later and maybe swing at a bad pitch. Um, and that's kind of – he's obviously – Grayson over the last course of – or last half of the season has been unreal. He's kept the walks down. He's pitched out of a lot of big jams, um, pitched great games. I mean, no one could have expected him to go in and, and kind of show some of the same stuff. But, you know, he, he just got a little behind early. He got out of a big jam in the first inning. Um, I thought he was going to be back on track, and it just – he got squeezed a little bit. I You know, I don't want to say, you know, too many excuses about that, but he threw a lot of good pitches that could have been called strikes, and he just didn't get the, the – you know, didn't get the call. And then it just kind of snowballed on him in a way. And, um, just wasn't able to to kind of get out of that next jam. So frustrating for sure, but um, the the good part is that that's not what he sh- he showed – the second half. So if he gets another chance at this thing and is able to come back at any point, um, you know, I think that we're going to see a different guy. Yeah. I I went back and I looked and the last time Grayson had faced Texas was way back in May, eight earned runs Uh, as a pitcher. I know you're supposed to have like this short-term memory, but uh, is that the kind of thing that like would stick in the back of somebody's mind? Like, do do you think that was in, in Grayson's mind a little bit when he was going out there facing Texas this time around? I'm not sure. Um, it's as, as as a pitcher, you're used to that. Uh, I, I doubt that he's thinking that in any way. Um, when you have a bad outing against somebody, it's you know there's always that thought. But at the same time, he knows that he's a completely different pitcher at at this point. Um, and when you're when you're facing someone early, um, and, and the way he was pitching, he just wasn't the the same guy he was the second half. So you know, I'm sure he it was a little bit in in the back of his mind, but at the same time, he he pitched so well down the stretch that I'm thinking he was, he was completely ready for it. And it just didn't work out. That's, it was just a rough game. And um, I, I just know that he's hoping that to get another shot um, this year. And, and who knows, he didn't pitch he, well, he through, I think 40 pitches or so somewhere around there. And, and he might treat that as a bullpen. If they get to game four, game five, maybe he's able to give them a couple innings. I'm fascinated by this concept of a short-term memory and like, as a pitcher, like how do you take the bad outings and how do you flush them? You just, you've been through it so much. Um, it's, it's part of the game. It's part of what you've done your whole career. Um, the confidence that you have a, a, to get to the level that you're, um, you're playing at, it, you, you have to have that. So um, it, it's sometimes tough to do. You know, it's a, it's a mental game. As a pitcher, you're, you're in your head a lot. Um, you know, you're sitting in between innings, you're sitting in between starts. You know, one of the toughest things sometimes is when you have a rough start, you have to go another, you have to wait four days before you get another chance. And um, it's, it's sometimes tough to do after a tough outing, but when you've done it enough and, you know, even though Grayson's young, he's done it enough his whole career to where you have a rough day, you get out there, you get back, you have a nice routine. The, the routines usually help. Um, you know, you keep things consistent, whether you have a good outing or a bad outing, you just make sure you're doing the same stuff. That way you're completely ready going into the next start. Um, it's not always easy. It's, it's tougher when you have a couple bad outings in a row, but at the same time, you just find, you latch on to any sort of positivity that you can find and, and uh, you just roll with it. I had a, a pitcher fielding question for you. There's a play early in that game where Mitch Garver grounds one up the first baseline and Grayson had to field it. So like the runner was like blocking his throwing lane and he had to throw it over top of the runner in PFPs. Like how, like, is that a ball that is supposed to be fielded like that? Like, I feel like he did all he could on that one. I, I think that that was a, it was a really tough play. Um, usually balls are hit a little bit harder 
um, to where he kind of when he when he got to the ball, his momentum took him like one more extra step, which got him into the baseline. And it's just a, that, that throw in general is just really, really hard as a pitcher. You just threw a ball off a mound off a slope as hard as you could. And you throw most of the balls off a slope as hard as you can. And now you're at like 40 or 50 feet and you have to kind of throw it somewhat hard. And you don't want to throw it too hard because you can't throw it as hard as you can. The first baseman is going to be, you know, a little, a little defensive with his catch. So you got to find a groove to be able to throw that ball there. And some guys really struggle with it. But where he was, the batters and, you know, or the, the runners kind of in the way. And sure, you could just kind of throw it and hope that you get an interference of some sort. But you're, you're not trying to throw the ball away with a guy, um, you know, still on base. So um, it's a tough play. It's, it, unless you've kind of been in that situation, it's really hard to kind of explain and say, yeah, he should have done that. He could have thrown it maybe a little bit more, um, you know, inside the line. Um, to have the, the first baseman do it, but you're still throwing on an angle that with the runner running there and you're trying to throw it hard, it's not an easy play. And um, I, I thought maybe he could have gotten to the ball a little quicker. Seemed like he thought it was maybe hit a little bit harder than it was. He kind of like ran over to it, maybe a little um, slower. I looked at the replay because obviously a lot of people were asking me about it. Um, and that was the only thing I saw. But at the same time, he could have just thought it was hit a little harder. And by the time he, he noticed it was hit a little slower than that, he ran up to it. And it, it's just a tough play. It's really Some guys really struggle with that throw. I'm not sure if, if, if he's had struggles with, with throwing the ball from, um, from the infield on, on bunts and stuff. But a, a lot of guys struggle with that throw. How would you do in that situation? Like, how how was your PFP game back in the day? PF, catching the ball was was good. It, it's the throw that that got me sometimes. I was usually pretty good with bunts. I loved bunts on the third base side because then you can let it fly the whole way. You were able to throw it really hard, and um, first baseman had plenty of time to to get it. It's just when you have that forty foot throw, you you know. It, I usually just try to stay low and, and instead of like standing up because once you stand up, I feel like it just throws off all the rhythm. So I tried to stay low and almost kind of treat it like I was a shortstop as best I could, but that really wouldn't help too much in this situation because the runner was right there. And um, I think it just might've uh, in the last second, he maybe not, maybe didn't want to throw it away. And he just kind of like made, made sure he didn't uh, maybe hit the runner and, and tried to throw it over him. It was just a tough play. Uh, who is the best fielding pitcher either like played with or saw? Oh man. Um, you know, uh, Tyler Wilson was really good. Uh, I feel like he, um, he, he, him and I would say him and Zach Britton, um, both of those guys seem to just get a lot of ground balls back at him. I think, um, Tyler was able to just be, um, you know, quick off the mound, um, and be able to snag a bunch of stuff. But, but Zach always seemed to have to, to field a bunch because he had that sinker and not a lot of guys were able to – he had so many comebackers that he was able to get double plays on and, and kind of get out of big jams with and feel like he was already always trying to field similar plays to Grayson's where just guys fun, took full swings and, and uh, you know, just chopped it in front of the plate and he was had to go and, and field it and uh, make a lot of plays. So I would say those two guys kind of come to, come to my mind. 23 though uh i think it will be a, a huge success regardless of what happens in the divisional series um i'm curious though what direction do you think that the club will take this winter I, I look at their free agents coming up it's like gibson frazier and flaherty are the big ones like do you think they'll add and like i mean if they do it's got to be like the bullpen and the starting rotation right 
Yeah, I believe they'll add. It obviously depends on who's available and, and what makes sense. And um, but the thing that I've always said about uh, you know, free agency in, in ways is that you know, people have to also want to come here. And for a long time, I think it was really, really hard to get guys to come here. And you almost have to overpay for pitchers because who wants to pitch in the AL East in those ballparks? Um, and then the Orioles were kind of right on the fringe of, you know, who would you rather play for? Would you rather play for a team that's like almost guaranteed to make the playoffs, which at the time was, you know, Red Sox, Yankees? Um, or would you want to play for the team that has to play those guys? And when you're a free agent, that that might not be the team that you want to go to and play at your home park at one of the toughest places to pitch as a pitcher. So um, that was always my thing. Now they have the wall. Now it's a nice young team where they, they seem to be on the right track. That might be more of an incentive for people to want to sign here. And then obviously they got to put up the money, which I've said that, you know, a lot of people want to say that they don't spend. And, and when, when the Orioles have been good, they've usually spent money um, on somebody, whether it's kind of retaining some guys or, you know, trying to get, you know, someone at the same time. But problem is they just haven't been good very often. So it just hasn't came up too often. Um, but I, I hope they go and sign some guys, maybe, maybe a, an, another bat, um, you know, maybe fill, fill in one of the defensive pieces. I mean, some people overlook this free agency and the guys like, um, you know, Frazier they signed. I mean, he had some huge clutch at bats all throughout the year. Um, and then you have a waiver claim in terms of, you know, O'Hearn that's worked out. He had a great year as well. It's like those, those type of moves are, are always important too. But, yeah, hopefully they go and, and maybe add a piece. But I think the rotation has also shored itself up way more than people thought. So I think that obviously you want a piece. You want another bullpen piece. Um, but I, I think at the same time, they don't have to go absolutely nuts. Like um, it has to make sense. But at the same time, I think – I think they'll make the right moves. I think this is kind of on track with where they uh, where they thought they would be in, in a way. So, like, you know, have a good year, take the next step next year. Brought up a great point, and we always hear about, like, veteran leadership. Like, guys, like, older guys, t- taking younger guys under their wing, offering advice, offering leadership. Um, and you look at the veterans they have now, I feel like they have a really great group to do that. It's like Gibson and Hicks and Frazier. Like, these guys have all, like, a lot of service time under their belts. Like, I'm wondering though the concept of veteran leadership, like how real is that? And like when you were playing, who were some of the guys that like were that role for you? And and like how much do you think they contribute to these young guys having the success they've had? I do. I think I think it helps guys who who might not be um, in the normal situations that that they've always been in. Um, you know, O'Day and Jim Johnson for me. Um, when I got called up, I got put in the pen, and I was never a bullpen guy. Um, so I didn't really know what to do out of the bullpen. I was a starter my whole career. Um, I was a starter for the eight years before that in the minors. And then for two weeks before I got called up, I, I got put in the pen. I didn't think they were just testing it out if I could do it um, in the minors. And then I got called up and I'm in the big leagues getting called to the, you know, in from the bullpen. And I've never thrown, you know, 10 to 12 pitches and then asked if I was ready. It's like I usually had the whole day to get ready as a starter. So being able to like ask questions with the guys, like, what do I do? What's, what's the best thing to do? You know, uh, with, especially with guy like, you know, Jim Johnson was a former starter um, and then goes in, you know, went into the bullpen and was a great reliever uh, and closer. It's like, what do I do? What's the best thing guys who have been through it before they've been through the same situation and, and they've been doing it for a while. So when you have that, I mean, I can't imagine what, what guys can uh, help out with, with hitters, you know, just in different situations. And those guys play every day and, um, you know, that, that whole grind of how much is too much, what's a good routine, you know, 
Um, should I be swinging 500 swings a day? What, what's, you know, what's, what's a good thing to do and just be able to learn from those guys who have been through it and who have been in the big leagues for 10, 12, 13, 15 years. Um, I think that that's a huge part of it. So I think as a pitching staff, you know, they, they've had Gibson um, who has been around and I think that's helped some of the young guys out, but you add maybe one more guy like that through to that pitching staff um, and, and you just let those young guys learn from them. I think, uh, it could help tremendously. Yeah, no doubt. And you joined at like the perfect time too, with like those great Orioles bullpens. Like w- when was the first year you made it to the Orioles organization? I got the organization was 2009. I was traded um, and I spent them. I was in the minors until 12. Yeah. Like those first few years for you in the system there, those are some lean years in Baltimore and then obviously it culminates in 2012, which is one of my all-time favorite Orioles teams. They win 93 games, they go to the wild card game, they go to the ALDS, just like no expectations. It, it was one of the most fun times to be an Orioles fan. Um, I'm trying to find ways to draw similarities between the 2012 Orioles and the 2023 Orioles. Uh, as a member of the 2012 Birds, Like, what kind of similarities can you find between them? Well, obviously with the 12 team, we... We were uh, we were in a fight for the division the whole way through, and, and we we end up missing out to it. But um, you know, I just think that you know they weren't they were really good in one run games. Um, I remember in I don't know we, we had some sort of streak going where I think we won like sixteen or we had some sort of one run game stat, but we had sixteen inning or uh, sixteen straight extra inning wins. Um, it was just like every close game the bullpen was able to get it done. Someone made a big hit or had a big hit, and uh, I think that it's just with this team, um, you know, the bullpen may have gone through its, uh, you know, people got hurt and people were in and out. Other guys got put in situations that maybe they not weren't normally in, but everyone seemed to get the job done. Whereas I think in, in 12, that was pretty set. Um, the, the bullpen was pretty stable all, all the way through the year um, in terms of like at least the back end guys. And for most of this year, I think um, the, the back end was, was, uh, was pretty good and pretty consistent, obviously, until Batista got hurt. But um, that's what I think w- w- was the best is that the bullpen kept teams in the game. Um, and the starters were kind of, you know, they, they did the job most of the year, but the bullpen really is what kind of shined most of the time and gave the offense a chance to do its thing. And and that's kind of the, the big part about this year is that they were really good in one-run games. Bullpen kept it close for the most part. And and the team just as, in general as a, as a hitting club just was really clutch. They just got the, the right hit at the right time most of the, most of the time, and uh, it was really fun to see. It. It's, it's always good when the bullpen keeps you in it. I love the concept of one-run games because like, there's so many things that go into them, and I think of two examples from this past year in baseball specifically. It's like the Miami Marlins this year, one of the best teams in baseball in one-run games, and they obviously rode that into a playoff berth. And then the San Diego Padres were one of the worst teams in baseball in one-run games, close games, extra inning games, and we know what happened with them. They missed the playoffs. Like, when you think about all the factors that contribute to being successful in one-run games, is it the manager pulling the right strings? Is it the bullpen? Is it a combination of everything? I would I'd probably say it's a good combination. I know it's kind of a little cop-out, but um, also experience in it and having success. Um, I think when, when, especially in baseball, I mean, you're playing every day, and it seems like, for the most part, that every game ends up being close in some way whether it comes down to, you know, you get the lead early and then you give it up at some point, the, the game gets close. And um, I think if you end up blowing it a few times, you, we get back into the mental side of it. 
it's tough to kind of rebound from that. And it's always kind of there. It seems to snowball on, on guys and, and on teams in terms of momentum where it's almost like the fans are expecting you to blow it. The, the bullpen's kind of on edge inspecting it to happen. But when you have success with it, it, it definitely just rolls. Um, you know, you kind of, it feeds into everyone else. You know, people are put in situations that not normally in and they get the job done because it just seems like they have the confidence that, Hey, this is what we do. Um, and I think it's, it's a sort of energy that's, that's out there that, um, that some teams get into. And I think it's, it's, it's big, it's a lot of confidence. And, and when you're seeing other people do it, you just, you want to get out there and you have the confidence to be able to do it too. But it definitely goes down that other road in terms of if you're not getting the job done and even your stars are getting, giving it up, um, then you're like, man, they're giving it up. How, how can I get it done? Um, and it's not necessarily what you're thinking, but it ends up just kind of, it's in the back of your mind at times, I, I believe. So I think momentum is just a huge thing. And when, when you, when you got it going, um, I think a lot of teams just ride it the whole way. I'm fascinated by this, especially like the Padres down the stretch. Like that had to be in their brains, right? Cause it's like close game. Like they had to be thinking about their, their one ranked game record there. Um, I was very high on the Padres this year. I had them winning the World Series in my preseason predictions, as did, I think, a lot of people. Um, did you foresee what happened to them down the stretch happening, like losing all these games and missing out on the playoffs? Like, Was that even a thought in your mind? I don't think anyone could have said that, that they wouldn't at least make the playoffs. I mean, that division's tough. Um, you have the Dodgers doing what they've been doing. But you, know, you have all these wild card options now, and you think that a, a team with that lineup and, and that pitching staff and the bullpen that – um, you know, that they have, you'd think that they would uh, at least win enough games to be able to make the playoffs and give it a run. Um, obviously, they, they got hot at the end. They just – it was too little, too late. Um, and a little, little frustrating for them, I'm sure, to have all, the, all that uh, firepower there and not, not be able to get the job done. But, um, you know, if they, if they ride it into next year, uh, I, I think that obviously they had a hot streak at the end, and if they start out hot this year or, or next year, I think that that's, that's they're still not going away. But definitely, that they just got a bad streak there at the uh, the beginning, and they just couldn't get out of it. We interrupt this episode to bring you a word from the official sponsor of Not for Long Media and the Breaking Bats podcast, the Original Fudge Kitchen. It is a staple of the Jersey Shore with six locations in Cape May, Wildwood, North Wildwood, Stone Harbor, and Ocean City. The Original Fudge Kitchen makes all of their fudge in-store guaranteeing a delicious product, so stop by and let them know that Not For Long Media and Breaking Bats sent you. Check them out online at fudgekitchenswithans.com as they are shipping fudge and sweet treats all across the country. Now back to the episode. Speaking of the Padres, last year, Wildcard rode that to the NLCS. Also last year, Philly's Wildcard rode that to the World Series. I'm hearing a lot of talk this week about the five-day layoff in between like the wild card and the divisional series starting um, baseball is an everyday sport. Like how much of an impact do you think having five consecutive off days is having on some of these teams? Like, I think I looked at the record, like wild card teams are five and one through the first six games of the division series. Like how would you kind of quantify all that? Yeah. I, I, I never like making excuses. Obviously you have to, you have to get the job done whenever, whatever situation you're put in. But I, I just feel that that baseball is just not meant to be played with, with that much time off. Um, I mean, five day layoff is more time than they've had since the preseason, you know, the spring training game started. Um, and that's just, when you think about it that way, that they haven't had that much time off since before the season started. Um, it's just an odd thing to make guys do. Baseball is meant to be played on a regular basis. 
you have the all-star break in the middle of the, in the middle of the year. But other than that four games that they have off, you, you don't have that many games off in a row. And you can say you can get the bullpen back and you can say that you can kind of give some guys a break, but at the same time for baseball, that's, that's not always a good thing. Um, now, you know, obviously teams have done it and teams can get through it and, and it depends on who you're playing and stuff like that. But when you run against a team that that is hot, that everyone – I feel like all the wildcard teams swept who they played. So they played two games in a row, feeling good, have, you know, day off, two games, day off and play. That's a that's not a good – that's not a good thing for the team that's just been chilling there, um, you know, waiting for everything to get started. So uh, definitely not a fan of that. Um, I think I, as much as I like maybe giving the wildcard teams more of an opportunity, they're a wildcard team for a reason. Um, and they didn't get the job done to win the division. So I just feel like you keep it at a one game playoff. I mean, all the teams got swept this year anyway. I know it was probably a bad year to try and <laughs> compare things, but just like keep it at a one game, maybe the, uh, and, and have the people who won the division get three days off or two days off and, and keep it to a minimum. Um, just so you can stay in the, they can stay in the groove. I, I definitely think that the layoff, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't help as much as uh, it would for, you know, say football. Yeah. Rest versus rust is like a football debate. And now we're just having it in baseball. Uh, but you're a one game wild card veteran. I like the one game wild card. What do you think about them bringing it back? Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I don't, as much as I, hesitate to say that I like the one game playoff. There's so much on the line with, with, with that, but it also also is, it's something to play for. If you don't want to play in that game, then win the division. And obviously if you don't win the division, you have to play in the wild card. And, um, you know, I'd even be fine with going back to just one wild card team and that wild card team plays the one seed. Um, I, as much as it, it does give more opportunity for other fan bases and other teams to be able to make it. And it, gives, it does not add, you know, the wild card has been fun to watch with more teams involved, but it's like you're, you're adding more teams that may not really deserve it. Um, and then those teams, obviously they could get hot and, and win it all, which is fine. But I just think that like the teams that win the most should get a reward. And, and, and I don't think the reward is being, you know, sitting for five days, um, you know, waiting for these two teams to battle it out who are fighting for their their season. So, um, not the biggest fan of it, but I, I definitely like the one the one game off card. It was it was interesting. It's everything on the line. Uh, I think it's fun for the fans in a way, but it's uh, it's still intense. But I get why they're doing it. Did you travel to Texas for that one game wild card? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I warmed up in the first inning. Wait, okay. You have to tell the story before. I don't think you've ever actually told it. Yeah, I mean, he he walked. Uh, I think Saunders. They were um, deciding on me and him to, to who was going to start the game, um, and uh, then they went with Saunders. And then I I believe that he walked the first guy on four pitches, and uh, I they told they called down and told me to get hot. So I just got up and started firing bullets. I think I blacked out a little bit. And uh, they said to get down, and, and he got out of it with, a, I think, a double play. He only gave up one run, I think. So um, I, I was just trying to get as loose as possible, and I just uh, – then then he went the, the rest of the – I think he went six innings and, and did pretty well. So they, I wasn't needed anymore. But, yeah, they told me to be ready early. I just didn't think it would be after the first batter. Was that the most amped you've ever been for a game? Like, was the adrenaline flowing? Yeah, I would say after that – 
and my debut. Obviously, when you're first time pitching in um, in the big leagues, obviously it's it's a it's a I can't even explain the experience. But um, yeah, in the wild card game with my hometown team and and warming up in the first inning, wondering <laughs> if I'm getting in. Um, yeah, it, it was, uh, yeah, I, I can say I probably, I don't remember much other than them telling me to, uh, to stop throwing because he had gotten out of the inning. That's incredible. I can't believe I didn't remember that. Uh, was that the most fun game you've ever been a part of? Um, well, well, we finally got to celebrate, um, after the game, which was cool. We didn't get to really celebrate before that. Um, you know, everyone gets to celebrate making the playoffs and, um, we, we just didn't get the chance to. I think we were in a plane when we found out we, we actually clinched playoffs. So we kind of like celebrated a little bit, but we were on a plane, so we really couldn't do much. Uh, we were still trying to go for the division, and then obviously we just we didn't get it. So we were really hoping that we didn't lose because then we would have made the playoffs for the first time in 14 years and, and then not get to, not get to celebrate that. Um, so, but yeah, being able to just kind of have that experience and, um, you know, we, to, to win that game. And, and we, we obviously, no one really expected us to, you Darvish was on the mound. So, um, to be able to win that one and be a part of it and, and to warm up in the first inning and then to be able to celebrate at the end was, was, was pretty cool. Uh, I would say it was, it was up there. Absolutely. So when you look around at the current playoff teams, obviously the Orioles are still in it, but uh, when you look around at the other current playoff teams out there, like who has the look of some teams that could win a World Series? Like who has that look and feel of a team that could go all the way? You know the the, the way the Phillies keep playing. I mean, obviously they're playing the Braves now, and I think they they may have given up the lead, um, but they're they're hot. Um, and you never know in this in the next couple of games what what goes on, or even at the, in the this one as it's ending. Um, so they look good. And obviously the Braves, if they get back and hot, they, they, they've been good all season. Um, and they have the pitching and, and offense to, to hang with anybody. If, if, you know, it's, it's absurd what they've been able to do with keeping all those guys together and what they've done this year. Um, and then I just like a team like Houston is, is just a team that they have, they have the pitching, they have the experience in a way, and, and they've just been doing it for the last couple of years. So they seem to just get the job done when it matters. So I, I think that, that that those three teams can – they obviously look the best at the moment. Um, I'm hoping that the Orioles can pull it out. Um, but uh, it, it's a tough tough thing for them to come back from moment to. No doubt. Okay, I just have some last fun rapid-fire type questions for you. Um, so I was doing some research for another video, and I saw an article September 2012. Uh, Deion Sanders took batting practice at Oriole Park. Do you remember this? I, I, I do. Now that you've mentioned it, um, I, 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 I think it was one of those things where he, he came and it was, I, I didn't want to do too much. I didn't want to, I think we, he hit batting practice. We kind of kept it. Uh, I think I may have said hey to him or something, but I, I didn't, I, I was trying to just not overstep my, my, you know, bounds there. I just, uh, it's just kind of, I didn't want to kind of stay low, say, Hey, if I needed to. And, and uh, not to, the hitters were, were dealing with them most of the time. So he was, he, he could swing it though. That's for sure. Still could. I was trying to find video of this. Apparently just back in 2012, nobody was recording video on their phones. So that's great. It's tough finding stuff on, on me as well. Sometimes it's, it's tough finding videos. They do a lot better now, but even, even back then it, it didn't seem like that long ago, but uh, they definitely didn't keep track of things or as much as they do now. It's 
YouTube wasn't as, uh, as great then either. I was so frustrated because the last time we had you on, I was like trying to make clips and I was like trying to find the video of like, you were talking about facing Edwin Encarnacion. I'm like, there is just no video out there at all. Like when you tell people like, Hey, I played for the Orioles. Is it ever hard <laughs> to like pull up video to, to like verify that? There's a, there's a couple, there's a couple videos of, of some full games and, and, and things on there, but you have to, you have to do some digging. I have some of my starts that I have saved on there that they have, um, they have full games of, but sometimes they'll, they'll go away and then they'll get put back on. Um, I'm trying to get the Orioles to send me some of my, my, like just my full games, at least the games I started with just to see the broadcast just to have that, to be able to have, uh, I, I haven't really asked. So, uh, <laughs> but I, it's something that I keep meaning to do just because it's, it's nice to have. It's good. Every now and then they'll pop up on some Oriole classic stuff that a game I pitched in or something like that. So I'll like record it, but yeah, definitely a little harder to, to find some things. Every year, especially this offseason, uh, I see your former teammate, Ryan Flaherty. He's always rumored to be like a managerial candidate. Uh, if Flash be- does become a skipper, how good of a manager do you think he would be? I, I think I think he'd be pretty good. I mean, he, he's uh, surrounded himself with, uh, with with a lot of guys, you know, being, a, being able to be a player that is a um, – you know, kind of a utility guy has to be ready for anything being put in any situation. It kind of helps being able to, uh, um, you know, know all the positions, different things like that. Um, and obviously he's been a bench coach or in a way, I, I believe he's been a bench coach with, with, uh, or, or some sort of coach around in, in San Diego for a bit. Or something. Yeah. Some, some, he's been, he's been around obviously that whole offense there. And um, you know, anytime you get to spend a good amount of time around other managers and, and seeing how the, the way things work. I mean, I feel like a lot of guys would be able to, um, you know, put it together and be able to figure out how to, uh, how to manage. And a lot of, a lot of guys have their own little style. So that's basically what you want to have. Just as an aside, like, do you keep up with flash? Because like Brian O'Grady, like the guy I do the podcast with, he was with him in San Diego and Brian can't get a hold of him now. He doesn't like respond to his anything. And then like Adam Jones on Twitter said, who should I have as a guest on my podcast? And I tweeted, I said, Flash. And Adam responded, he said, Flash doesn't answer my calls. Like, have you gotten a hold of Flash within the last like 10 years? No, I think I saw him at a game um, a, a while ago now. But um, yeah, I, I don't I don't have his number. I, I haven't contacted him other than when I... Uh, when I see him at the field, if I see him, um, or if we or we're around the same crowd at some point. Um, but yeah, I would, I would, I would imagine that, uh, if he's not answering those guys, he's probably not going to answer me. Flash answer your phone. I think that's, I think that's the key takeaway from this podcast today is Ryan answer your phone. Um, speaking of Adam Jones though, did I see you were at his retirement ceremony last month? Yeah. Yeah. We were, they, uh, they asked any, I guess any teammates that were, that were with him um, to, to come by. And, and obviously there was a lot of people that couldn't make it. They made some videos and stuff, but um, I'm from here. So, and, and Jonesy was always good to me. Um, he was one of the first guys came up to me when I, when I got in the clubhouse and kind of welcomed me there. And, um, so, yeah, he, he was, like I said, he's still, I, I still keep up with him here and there. Talked to him the other day. I saw him at a, a, a Ravens or the, actually it was before the, uh, the Orioles uh, game one. So he was at a tailgate. Um, and uh, was able to kind of say hey to him. But, yeah, he's always been good to me and um, just one of those things where it was awesome to be a part of that. It was 
he, he ran out to, uh, from center field with his kids and uh, crowd went wild and uh, got to see some of uh, my former teammates too. And we were also there. So it was, it was good. It was awesome. Um, and obviously to be able to celebrate it with, with the team they have now, uh, it's, the fans were, uh, were, were happy about it. It was also just like a great nostalgia trip. And also it's just cool to see like what guys are looking like kind of like up to after they leave the game because you don't see that oftentimes. Um, going back to Adam Jones though, you mentioned he was like the first person to come up to you in your debut. Does, does anything else stand out about Adam from your time playing with him? Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of things in, in terms of like the day-to-day. I think in terms of just being a good leader, um, like I said, I, I felt like I was a guy that I, I knew everybody and I wasn't like a big name or anything. Um, but just to have a guy like Adam welcome you to the clubhouse and, 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 you know, sometimes you go on other teams and there's like one of the top players on the team kind of state, you know, they're say to themselves and maybe not really uh, um, talk to the guys that just got called up. Um, and, you know, just, I, I just felt like that was just a, a nice experience for me in terms of, you know, he came right up to me like, Hey, congratulations. Welcome. You know, and, and, and kind of went, went on, on his way and, and treated me like, like I was just any, anyone else. And I think that was a big part of what he, he did as, as like a leader is, um, you know, no matter where you were in the, in the, the lineup and, in, in you know, I felt like I always felt like I was one of the, like the, tw- the 25th guy on the roster and, and to be kind of treated um, by one of the, the leaders on the team, like, like anybody else um, w- was awesome. And it gave me like the confidence, like, Hey, I, I belong here. And um, you know, they're treating me like anyone else. So that always made a big impression for me. And uh, you know, obviously along the way, I will say that there was uh, in my debut uh, when Miguel Cabrera hit hit that uh, homer. He, I just remember watching the replay afterwards, and he he just really didn't move much. And I just, it was funny just because it was it was gone. I just always I just always remember AJ just kind of sitting there, and uh, you know he he saw it, and he he knew it, and I think everyone in the ballpark knew it. But I, I always see that clip because people will send it to me and. And, and see him not moving after it was hit. And it's like, oh, well, that was, uh, that was hit pretty well. That's got to be demoralizing. I always like when outfielders make, like, an attempt to, like, go try to track down a home run fly ball, like, at least make it look like it's close. But is there, like, a worse feeling when they're just standing completely still? No, I, I, I appreciate it. Because sometimes, I mean, obviously, I knew that one was gone. It, it, it was a no-doubter. He, he hit he hit the crap out of it. But um, sometimes I appreciate it. I'm like, okay, they know it's gone. They're not going to give me hope. You know, sometimes when they run, they're running after it pretty good. You're like, Hey, is that maybe I thought wrong, but um, when, when they're just standing there, you're like, okay, it's, it's confirmed. I, uh, what I, what I saw off the bat was, was, uh, was what's happening. So yeah, I never, I never gave them crap for it. It's, it's, that's no, completely. They, specifically, yeah. they have to run enough. I'd rather them save their energy for the next ball. It's probably going to be hit out there. Okay, I said two more. Uh, is there a pitcher out there currently today that reminds you of yourself? It has like the same makeup, the same kind of similarities. Like, is there a Steve Johnson light floating around out there? Um, <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's a very. Uh, very small category of people that, that throw a, um, an 88 to 90 mile an hour invisible and a 65 mile an hour curveball. I don't, I don't think that there's too many of those guys out there. Um, especially nowadays. And there's not many guys that are, that are throwing, um, 
under 90 most of the time. So, so I feel like I had invisible for the most part, obviously it wasn't that invisible at times, but, um, I got a lot of swings and misses and, and I had a slow curveball. And some guys I see throw the slow curveball, which is, which is nice to see. Um, I always feel like, uh, the slower it is sometimes it, it just throws guys off. So when I do see the slow curveball, I'm not sure. And I know Granky pops it in there every now and then, but, uh, it is, it's, it's fun to see that. And I think fans love to see it too. When they, when they see 64 up there or 65 up there and a nice big breaking curveball, I'm like, that, that's what I threw. And that's, they're throwing it on purpose. 64. I, I was throwing all I had curveball wise, you know, 65, 66. It wasn't like that was me taking something off of it. Um, that was, that was my curveball. So uh, a little different than what they're doing out there. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a lot. Of, I, I'm, it's probably for the best that there's not a lot of guys out there doing that. Oh, you, you work with the next generation. You should go out there and you should teach the next generation of pitchers to just be like you. No, I, I do. I do stress that it's, I, I definitely just had, I never knew what was what my fastball had. I knew I had something that was different. I was able to get a lot of swings and misses on fastballs. And um, that's something that I know a lot of guys uh, were very frustrated with when, when they're throwing 95, 94, 95, and they're not getting the strikeouts. And I was throwing 88 to 90 and somehow getting swings and misses um, I didn't know why for a long time. Um, but I guess I had some deception with, with a couple other things and I made it, um, I made it work. You know, I used the slow curveball to my, my advantage and, and, uh, you know, I, I played off of it with, with the fastball that, that seemed to be a little deceptive. So, um, yeah, it, it is one of those things it, it's, it's, I don't think a lot of guys want to have to work like I did to be able to, uh, get guys out. Um, but you know, I made it work for a while and, and, um, yeah, it was, it was fun while it lasted. No doubt. Okay. I just have one last question for you and it's something I've never actually asked you about. It's your time in Seattle in 2016. Coincidentally, that's the only video I can find of you pitching is from 2016. But like, when you think back to that time in Seattle, I I went back and I also looked at some of these players that you were teammates with. It was incredible. Like the star power, Nelly Cruz, Robbie Cano, King Felix, what do you remember about your 2016 and your time in Seattle? Uh, I, I remember, um, you know, obviously we played with, with all those guys and, and uh, you know, being on the, the same team as, as King Felix, uh, you know, it, it was cool. And being able to, that, that experience of, of being in Seattle and, and um, you know, the fans and, and the interaction with, with what they do when, when he started and had the whole King's court and everything, um, it, it was a lot of fun to see that and experience that. Uh, Seattle was um, was an awesome place to play. I, I love the the weather out there. I love the stadium. Uh, I really enjoyed it. We were in first place for a while while I was up there, um, and we hit a we hit a rough patch there, and 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 then obviously things took a turn. But um, it was fun. We, we we had a lot of fun there. I, I remember um, after each win at home, um, they had like a little disco ball, and I turned the lights off, and it was it was. Uh, you know, obviously people are just changing and stuff, but there were some guys who were, who were a little rowdy. It, it was fun. It was, it was a fun team. Uh, I wish it could have lasted a little longer. I wish we didn't hit that rough patch and, and just kind of go, we, we were, we were doing really well. And it just, it, it seemed to just not work out for, for a good like 10 day stretch. And, and um, it was a little rough there at the end, but yeah, it was, it was just a fun team. All the guys were great. Uh, you know, sometimes, you, like I said, you, you meet guys who are, you know, obviously who they are with the, the Nelson Cruises, the Robinson Cano and, and King Felix, you know, Felix Fernandez and, you know, all all the guys that 
Kyle Seeger, great players. And you just never know who, what type of personality they're going to have and, and how they're going to, how they're going to be. And, and all those guys were great there. I really love my time there. No doubt. Okay. Uh, Steve, this has been incredible. Always really appreciate your time. Appreciate you coming on the podcast. I wish we had you on under better circumstances regarding the Orioles, but nonetheless, it's been incredible. And uh, hey, you know what? Let's uh, let's go out there and get a couple wins. Why don't we need a couple wins in the win column? Gotta get some yeah, wins. let's do it. Let's do it. Let's start with three. You know. And before we get out of here, a special thank you to the band Stick Figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music. Wait up.